0: So before I introduce Natalie, I mean, I am an entrepreneur. I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I'm not a particularly great entrepreneur, but I've somehow found myself being an entrepreneur mostly because I'm largely unemployable. I mean, bosses (laughs) hate me. Um, And it's kind of forced me as a matter of necessity to be an entrepreneur. And as exhilarating as it's been, it's been really hard at times as well. I mean, one of our previous guests, Bobby, was saying, his first five years as an entrepreneur, uh, five years of fun he hopes never to have ever again. <laughs> and it's been hard for me as a as a as a white man. It's hard for Bobby as a Latino man. There's just a ton of statistics that say, look how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur, to lead a company, to start a company, to get funding for a company if you're a woman. And I am delighted to speak to Natalie Molina Nino, who is author of LeapFrog. I'm going to read this out. The new revolution for women entrepreneurs, really digging into what it takes to lead, to fund, to grow a company. Natalie is the CEO of O3. She's an investor. She's an entrepreneur. And of course she is an author. So Natalie, thank you.
1: Thank you for inviting me, especially in such great company. I, uh, I see some amazing names, including friends. Um, and by the way, it's O cubed. Oh, that's I'm right.
0: sorry. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a factor of X short of what you're about. So O cubed. So thank exponential. You for- yeah. I know. I was thinking of the. Uh, it's a British company, I think, as O squared. I'm sorry about that. Hey uh, Natalie, ha- when did you find your entrepreneurial spark? When did you know that you were an entrepreneur? Yeah.
1: Uh, I think I think like a lot of us, it was accidental for me too. Um, in my case, I think I actively resisted it because I grew up with immigrant parents who, maybe similar to your experience, um, for other reasons, right, found themselves really having to become entrepreneurs. Mm. And I I thought it was hard. I thought you know I mean that's the truth. It's hard. And growing up, I had these romantic ideas that if you could, in my case, you know, be a scientist and save the planet, you would be free and you could live in the Amazon and study volcanoes. And, you know, um, there just felt like both freedom and also maybe security Mm. um, in a job, right? Um, And when I actually got a little bit older and went to college and saw that life and watched as some actually amazing scientists who were doing work in the Amazon um, got their funding pulled right out from underneath them. And I realized like there's some suit in in a building in another country somewhere that just totally pulled the rug out from underneath these people who are not just doing this as their job, but they're doing this for humanity. This is really important work. And they had no agency over whether the program existed or was killed and that's when I kind of realized maybe my parents were onto something like maybe <laughs> there's something about this controlling your own destiny thing that's not so bad it's hard but I never shied away from hard work before so
0: what I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm right with you around that kind of the illusion of the safety of having a job and you know mm-hmm. I think this pandemic that we're all living through has made has shattered that illusion for a number of people yeah. who went. I thought I was safe wow maybe not so much I mean, right. it's, it's difficult for, entre- it's difficult for everybody, but yeah. it certainly is breaking down the entrepreneur, risky job safety. Um, yeah. Cause I don't really know you very well. I mean, we kind of got connected. Um, I'm curious to know what do you see in yourself that makes you a successful entrepreneur? What, what, what's, what are the, the, the qualities you have that help you succeed?
1: Yeah. You know, as you were talking to like, just in terms of like the, choice or even like the skills one thing that comes to mind that i always say is um nobody goes to college to study balancing your checkbook right that's that's <laughs> right that's a life skill and we all agree that that's a life skill and everyone should have it right and my my thought with entrepreneurship is that if you if you are exceptional um or or sometimes lucky or maybe sometimes unlucky, right? Circumstances, but especially if you're exceptional at anything, you're probably going to have to be an entrepreneur at it. So if you're a really good lawyer, you might end up starting your own law firm, right? If Mm -hmm. you're a really good doctor and a leader in your field, you might end up starting your own practice. And so I actually think that being an entrepreneur is more of a life skill than it is a career path, right? Because you can give me, what are artists? What are professional athletes? At the end of the day, They're entrepreneurs and they're yeah. managing a business, right? Um, some well and some not so well. And when you see people get get getting taken advantage of, partly it's because they have deferred that life skill to someone else, right? And yeah. so I would say that for me, because I see entrep- entrepreneurship as a life skill, maybe that's it, right? I never saw it as optional. I saw yeah. it as what we need to survive. And especially having been, um, you know, an immigrant um, and a child of immigrants immigrants in the US, it becomes very clear that it's a survival skill, right? Um, and I yeah, think that's sure. what it is. It's it's this sense of, it's not optional, right?
0: You know, I remember hearing a te- a speaker talking about something similar. And he actually said, it's not just a life skill, mm-hmm. it's also a way of holding an identity. He said, there's mm-hmm. a real difference between somebody who says, for instance, I'm a dentist, mm-hmm. to somebody who says, I'm an entrepreneur who practices dentistry. Right. It really changes how you see yourself, how you identify yourself, what becomes possible for you. <laughs> and before and I, think I heard it's both him, and. well, I think it is both exactly both and. Yeah. Um, I you know before I heard him, I would have said I'm probably going to end up as a dentist, not an actual dentist, but something with that type of label. <laughs> And mm-hmm. him opening up that piece going, actually, an entrepreneur is a way of showing up in the world. You still get to be an expert, but you get to mm-hmm. think a little broadly about it as well. was a very mm-hmm. liberating moment for me, a, 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 a giving of permission that I hadn't really heard before.
1: Yeah. And for people who are in corporate jobs, I think it's also liberating because they're using that life skill, whether they're within or without a corporate environment. You can't turn it off,
0: right? Exactly. Hey, Natalie, I'm wondering if you would read us a couple of pages from your book, Leapfrog.
1: I would love to, would and I'm going to make a game time call. I was deciding between first couple of pages or last couple of pages. And I think I'm going to go with last couple of pages.
0: Nice. Fantastic. <laughs>
1: Do you, um, I'm going to, I'm going to just explain that Please. this last two pages of the book um, comes after having provided some examples of hacks, which is what the book is primarily made of. It's 50 hacks for women entrepreneurs, but in the very last section, I give some hacks that are um, divisive in that we people might disagree. People mm-hmm. might think that those hacks are a little too far, maybe beyond their sort of ethical lines. It's up to you to decide. Right. But I put them out there as just examples. And so this is where we begin.
0: I love that. I'm all, I'm all for a bit of provocation. So that's perfect.
1: You can't help, but root for these audacious women. Yet it would be irresponsible for me to 100% endorse their tactics for a couple of reasons. Only you can decide which lines you're comfortable crossing. Also, these tactics are clearly provocative. They could backfire. Do you have the appetite for the potential negative attention? Again, that's for you to decide. Just make sure you're willing and able to someday defend your choices on the front page of the New York Times. This is a messy, messy world full of idiots looking to put powerful women back in their place, and there are no secrets. The truth is you may not need white hat hacks. I look at the same messy world and I also see abundance and generosity. The more you look, the more you'll find leapfrogs that don't require crossing ethical lines. The more these leapfrogs will actually find you. A State Department official recently reminded me where my own line falls. This man, we'll call him Jerry, sent me an email asking me to help recruit women to attend a summit in India where they could meet potential investors and partners. It was an initiative started in the Obama White House, but that was then and this is now. And the host at this summit would be one Ivanka Trump. To participate would be to shake hands, however briefly, with the Trump administration. When I balked, Jerry pushed back. The summit was a good enough leapfrog, he tried to convince me, that women entrepreneurs looking to scale globally should briefly make nice with the administration in order to attend. It was a fair point, but after thinking about it, I turned him down again. This was an aisle I would not cross not even for a minute. I want better for my fellow women than to have to align themselves ever with the basis elements of society in order to move forward. Further, this summit was far from the only opportunity in town. There were at least five other equally awesome upcoming events that I could direct women to. This particular event carried far too high a price for the group in our society that is by every measure the most entrepreneurial, the most promising, the most investment worthy, and also, and yet also among the most under attack by the Trump administration. No, Jerry. Still, I was appreciative to him for showing me my line and for provoking me to start a new campaign of donations to Planned Parenthood in Ivanka's name. The question of legacy, and how we will be remembered weighs heavily on me. How does one do business in a time of despots? As the inspiring Melissa Silverstein founder of Women in Hollywood often asks, what cave paintings will survive us and tell the world what we cared for and fought for? More urgent? What are we leaving for the next generation to inherit? As you move forward in your career, I hope this is a question you turn over as well, not once, but often. As you know by now, it has led me to set very clear guidelines around what and to whom I'll commit myself. Our time is short, but the potential to contribute is great. In the years since I committed to setting my own terms, what I achieved while feeling ever more whole and authentic in the effort has leapfrogged wildly. I write this just days after giving my first ever keynote in Spanish, a language that until now I use exclusively to navigate love and family. Suddenly, the door into a whole new sphere of influences opened. And not only was the talk in Spanish, I gave it in Ecuador, my ancestral home. Planned Parenthood International had a summit in Quito and invited me to speak about investing in women's health. My dad watched proudly from the audience. Later, we traveled together to Cuenca. And after a little shake of a small earthquake, (laughs) I settled in to find my own equator once again. Happiness for me is all of this. The author, Risa Daly Ward, once tweeted, my destiny is louder than my comfort. We are living and loving in uncomfortable times, and there is no better time than now to join the fight. My wish for you, fellow revolutionary, is that you may stretch beyond your comfort, find your own equator, and leapfrog into greatness.
0: Natalie that was awesome thank you for that I love this I, I love so much of that I love the, hearing a story of your return to Ecuador and giving giving the talk for Planned Parenthood and I love that moment of being confronted with your line and deciding is this is there a line in the sand here or not for you mm-hmm. you know for for all of us but particularly as you say for for women entrepreneurs who are so right with potential and under attack and underfunded in this world there's a way of needing to find courage to be bold but also support to understand how far is far enough and what rules shouldn't be broken what guidance do you give you know through your book but also just as an experienced entrepreneur yourself around how do you how do you figure out how do you find the courage and how do you help figure out the boundaries
1: Yeah, uh, I love the word courage. I think sometimes it gets mixed up with the word ambition, Mm. right? Or maybe the courage to be ambitious. Um, One of the things that I talk about in the book and that I just generally work that I do in the world is to remind people that ambition doesn't have to be egocentric, It can be ambition for your community. It can be ambition for the people that will come after you, your kids, your kids' kids, seven generations down, right? What are your ambitions for them? And I think that when we reframe that, suddenly people find their courage, Mm. right? Where they might not have found it in them to stick up for themselves, whether it be in a negotiation or, you know, on the street as women of color are having to find courage just to defend themselves existing in the world. Um, But when you suddenly frame, you know, I can pick my battles, I can be quiet, I can just take this and, and move on. But what does that look like in the eyes of my daughter? What does that look like in the eyes of my community that are relying on me? Because one battle translates into so much more. I think even the most I don't know. Even those of us who think we are the least courageous, when we frame things that way, we we find it right because it's about our, the people around us.
0: Natalie, I love that. It's it reminding me of some research I read about, basic women negotiating um, salaries, mm-hmm. and how you know men are shameless basically about going, "This is how much I think I'm worth," and women will constantly undervalue themselves. And here's the here's the what the research said, which is as soon as you reframe it to go, I'm not negotiating for myself, I'm negotiating for my family. Then the negotiating field is absolutely leveled. Mm-hmm. And it's such an interesting fit to go, when you find who you serve, it fills you with a courage and an audacity that you might not otherwise have if you go, This is just for me. So I love mm-hmm. that you're you're pointing to that.
1: Mm -mm. It's also the context. I would say that a lot of the times, you know, it's one of those chicken or the egg things, like the behavior that women exhibit in a negotiation context um, is oftentimes responding to cues that they have Mm -hmm. been getting consistently about what gets rewarded, right? There was another study in Stanford that said, you know, there was a negotiation competition. And when the rules were set up that being aggressive and, you know, take no prisoners, like that's what's going to win. Well, Women didn't perform well in that context. But when the rules were set up and explicitly said that here, what wins is collaboration. Here, what wins is win-win. Suddenly, same rules, same game. The women outperformed the men, right? Nothing changed. It was just they were set up in a context where they identified with the qualities that are winning qualities, and they won.
0: Yeah, beautiful. You know, there was a tweet I saw the other day from a dad going, look, I was playing D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, with my daughters, and I set up a wolf army, and they had to fight the wolf army to kind of get to the to the village. But he went, but my daughters, what they did is they made friends with the wolf army, <laughs> and then they went and they they won the game, and he's like, girls, women, they will run the world. And I was like, I love that, which is let me redefine the rules. And let me win in a way that is actually a victory for more than just me. So that's perfect. I love it. Natalie, it's been so nice to talk to you, to meet, for you to hear and share some of your wisdom. For people who want to know more about you and your work, can you point us to somewhere?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I'm available on all the social channels, but my website is nataliemolina.com. Um, And that's pretty consistent. So that's my Twitter handle as well, Natalie Molina. Uh, My full name, of course, is Natalie Molina Nino, but um, our... Bros who code our software limit characters on names. <laughs> Not too friendly for Latin Americans who have long names, but in Instagram, for example, on, uh, on LinkedIn and on Facebook, it's my full name, Natalie Molina Nino. Um, and yeah, constantly working on advocating especially for this group of people, for um, especially women of color who happen to be the single most entrepreneurial um, group in the world, um, especially in places like the US. Um, that is my sphere of influence and what I'm really passionate about. So if that is something people care about, tune in.
0: Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a fan of the podcast. Thank you for giving it love as a review or stars or words on a site somewhere. Thank you for sharing the interviews that strike you in particular. Um, I, I love slowly but surely growing the the listener base of this podcast. and I appreciate all you've done to help with that. You're awesome, you're doing great.